This episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, Oakley. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not just the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Next, the Lakers. So I have to be honest. I so close. I was so close, John. To Ryan Windhorse. Of all days, today, today, I was a day away from talking about this. And he he talks about on the podcast where there is this prevailing thought that the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, what if they got Kyrie Irving? Where mm-hmm. the Lakers say, Hey, we came within, I don't know, maybe they get swept, maybe they don't. Let's say they lose this series. Say we came within one, two, three, four games of making the NBA finals. And we did it with D'Angelo Russell actually making us actively worse. <laughs> they go to Kyrie Irving and they say, Kyrie, what if you are our missing piece? And now as the fan, you're thinking, well, hold up. How does this work? How could they get Kyrie? They can't give him a full max, right? And the answer is yes. They cannot give him a full max. Kyrie Irving would not be able to realistically come to the Lakers with a full max. But maybe Kyrie Irving doesn't care because Kyrie Irving also opted into his contract with the hope of, hey, that might make me more likely to go to L.A. because if I opt out, they can't do it last summer, all that stuff. So how would the Lakers get this done? And this is going to become Lakers film school for just a moment because there's there is a a reason behind this. I, I know where you're going. The Lakers did some interesting stuff this year. First, this summer, they traded Taylor Horton Tucker for Patrick Beverly. Taylor Horton Tucker had a player option. Patrick Beverly did not have any contract after this year. So they cleared about like a 10, 11 million dollars off the books. Okay. So they're going the cap space route. Well, they're not because now they've traded for Rui Hachimura and Hachimura has a cap hole. He's a restricted free agent. So maybe they're going over the cap. I don't know. And then they trade Russell Westbrook and all these salaries and everything. What do they get? Well, they get D'Angelo Russell expiring contract. Malik Beasley team option for next year. Mo Bamba, non-guaranteed contract next year. Fully non-guaranteed, right? They get Jared Vanderbilt, non-guaranteed. I would imagine they guarantee that contract. I don't think that's going anywhere. Even though he's Um, not playing a ton right now. Right. Austin Reeves, still on the books. So if you're the Lakers, what do you potentially do? Well, you could clear the cap holds, non-guaranteed, decline team options of everyone except for Austin Reeves. That should open up about 30 some odd million dollars, right? Thing is you run the risk of Rui Hachimura walking out the door, which you'd really rather not do. So theoretically speaking, I mean, they could sign him to the room exception and he comes off the bench and, you know, it's not like a a Minnesota situation where they suppressed his value was Joe Smith that way back when. Oh, yeah. Like, well, it won't quite be like that. But also, if you're the Lakers and you're thinking, if we get Kyrie Irving in the door, um, 
If it means we lose Rui Achimura, that sucks, but we have Kyrie. And then, so you sign Kyrie Irving if you're the Lakers, and then you could go over the salary cap to bring back Austin Reeves. But, now, but what? But only to a certain amount. Yeah, right. There's the likelihood maybe another team gives him a high offer. The Lakers match I, it anyway. It's like a, a, you know, like what the Nets did in terms of trying to get other teams to overpay for their own talent. And it worked. Like I Alan think Kraft, the most Tyler Johnson, I think the most they could give Austin is 12 a year. If I, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Well, but again, it's another team will probably try to piss off the Lakers by saying, yeah, we really like Austin, like the jazz. Let's say they, they say we love Austin rivers. Reeves. We're going to offer him <laughs> Austin, Reeves, Austin, Austin Reeves, Austin Reeves, four years, $99 million. I think that's potentially his max. And the Lakers say, well, we're not going to let him walk. And the jazz say, cool. Well, we just made you pay a lot of money for another player. Uh, Austin Reeves is also subjected to the Arenas rule. It was named after Gilbert Arenas first two years for the Lakers. That salary is going to be, uh, I think it's the average salary NBA might be the mid-level. I'm I'm blanking on it, but it's gonna be like 11, 12 million. And then years three and four are basically the, all the other money they couldn't front load. It now becomes a backloaded contract. All of that being said, why does this matter? Well, we talked about clearing cap space for Kyrie Irving. John, what costs money that might impact your cap space? Uh, a draft pick. A draft pick, especially the 17th pick overall. Now, if this were a second round pick, it would be the same as an incomplete roster charge. Hmm. That's what the cap hold would be. But for the Lakers, that's not the case. The 17th pick overall is going to be a little bit more expensive. It might be like three, four million. Honestly, can't remember. Um, so with that said, what if the Lakers traded out of this draft? What if they said, you know, we want to sign Kyrie Irving and we're cool with not having this pick. In comes a team like the Knicks. Maybe the Knicks say, hey, we'll give you you know, I mean, they have, one of our protected let's say it's the Mavericks say, pick. Right? Take a pick of, of Mavericks of picks. Yeah. We'll give you the Pistons pick next year. We could give you a couple other second round picks because the market for trading into what was it, the thirteenth pick overall last year when the Knicks got Jalen Duran for the Pistons, they traded a first round pick, the net, the Denver Nuggets pick, yeah. um, and they got they traded four second round picks as well. Yeah, a bunch of seconds. So the market is somewhere around a protected pick and a few second round picks. Now, do I think this is likely to happen? I don't. I I think there are other avenues the Knicks will try to explore. The Knicks have typically tried to keep as many first round picks as they can. But with that said, if there were a team that needed to cut salary and create cap space to the best of their abilities, I feel like it would be the Lakers. I really do. What say you? I think it hinges on Kyrie. Um, Sure. Which is frightening. Uh, but yeah, and and I think I think it, it, it behooves the Knicks and it if if there was a player they wanted to get in on the draft and was around this range that they wanted to get, and um I think it would behoove the Knicks to 
or it would benefit the Knicks the fact that they hold all of these protected picks to to the point where um, I wonder, and I there I think there would be some way even with the protections to perhaps craft some language um, surrounding a pick that they would send to LA about like you get the better of X or Y or Z. Um, you know, and then they could even protect it on their end. I, you know, th- I think they would have some options to to incentivize LA, perhaps to to feel like they're getting their money's worth in the in the deal. Um, no pun intended, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the Lakers again. Don't think it's the likeliest, but I could understand the interesting. madness and go from there. I hadn't I hadn't thought of the Lakers in that specific context. I thought I, th- yeah. I thought I thought you're going to Reeves, a Reeves route with that one. No, no, I I have not believed Austin Reeves is an option for the Knicks. It's totally different. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. Uh, we skipped 18. That's the Miami Heat. 19, the Warriors. The Warriors have focused in the past on adding draft talent while trying to stay competitive. I would imagine that stays the same. They do not have a pick next year, most likely, because it's in Memphis. So I would imagine they will not trade this pick. Do you agree? Yeah. And again, I just I don't I don't know that I see unless you want to get crazy and turn it into a much larger deal, which I I, I don't I don't really see. Yeah. 20th Rockets. We talked about them. I I mean, yeah, the Knicks could do the same thing as the Rockets, as they did with the Lakers in that hypothetical trade for 20, give them future picks. Uh, the It doesn't seem like something they need to do. The Rockets. The, I mean, yes, they could with James Harden and potentially another player, but they could also just do that and not have to give up the 20th pick. So I think the Rockets are going to keep this or move it out in a larger trade. Yeah. I think that makes sense. We've skipped 21, 22, and 23 for reasons that we've mentioned before with the Nets and the Blazers. 24, the Kings. I would imagine that the Kings are more interested in using salary and their pick for defensive help, right? Like they call up someone like OG Ananobi or the the Raptors try to get OG Ananobi. Maybe the Blazers even try to do that with 23, but the Kings need help on the perimeter defensively. I just don't see them trading out of this draft uh, when they could use that pick to level up. Yeah, so. package it with package it with some some salary they already have. I yeah. mean, we Mitchell Herder, you know, guys like those Barnes potentially. Barnes makes a good deal of money. Uh, uh, no, Barnes can't be moved. He's a is he? A, he's not a free agent, is he? He is a free agent. Harrison Barnes is a free agent. How did I mm-hmm. not realize that? That's yeah. a terrible job by me. Um, okay, I stand corrected. So yeah, Harrison Barnes is a free agent, huh? Yes, he is. Yeah. Huh. So we'll see. Be curious what his market is this summer. 
Yeah, I think if it's a team like Dallas, if they create cap space, if they lose Kyrie, they could always sign him. But maybe he doesn't want to go back to Dallas because maybe he didn't love how he was treated. Maybe he signs for the mid-level exception somewhere. Um, I was about to say, it feels like Harrison Barnes is like 35. I think he isn't. He he's like 28 or 29 or something. He's, he's younger than I think he's saying. 30 turning 31. Oh, okay, so maybe he's a little bit older yeah. than I. And he was born in 92. Okay, there you go. Yeah. And then the Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Grizzlies could trade this pick but they love the draft so much, even with all of the talent that they have. I would imagine they try to consolidate their assets a bit. I mean, you could tell me that they moved this pick and other picks and players on their roster for, again, mentioned before, Pascal Siakam. Wouldn't shock me in the slightest. They just have so many picks. I just don't see them trading out, but maybe they do. Maybe they are more interested in getting future assets. But they wouldn't be my first choice because of how much they have invested in the draft. I mean, and they find guys too. They do. It's Steven Adams. It's Tyus Jones. It's Luke Kennard. And, uh, it's pretty much it in terms of non homegrown players. Yeah. If memory serves. So yeah, this is what they do. They, they scout well and they, and they bring in good talent. (laughs) Yeah. So this This is what I would like to call the sweet spot. This is the range where I feel more confident in the Knicks getting into the draft than I do getting the 17th pick overall from the Lakers, getting the 20th pick from the Rockets. There feels like something here, and I will tell you why, friends. Well, first of all, before we do that, uh, let's talk about Knicks future second round picks. Once again, they have the Pistons pick in 2024, the Jazz pick in 2024, the Nets pick in 2025. The lesser of the their own pick and the Timberwolves pick in 2026, and then their picks in 2027, 2028, and 2029. That's where they're at. Um, past precedents in 2019, the Cavaliers traded for the 30th pick overall. Right, that was for Kevin Porter Jr. The Pistons received four second round picks from that. I want to say it was like 20. 20, 2022, 20, 23, 20, it was, it doesn't matter. There are four f- second round picks. Uh, John, I didn't actually think about this until just this moment. Would you like to remind me who worked for the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2019? Yeah, that's right. Because uh, Stevie Mills wasn't, wasn't fired until uh, February of uh, 2020. So that would mean uh, Leon Rose was not here yet, which means Leon Rose didn't bring aboard Brock Aller yet, which means Brock Aller was still in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's really important to point that out as well, because the Knicks clearly said to Portland, look, we're willing to give you our first round pick because we also feel that the Mavs pick can convey. It didn't. That's fine. They've got other backups. But they said, if it's not going to, if we miss the playoffs, then you are getting the Pistons pick in 2024, the second round pick, uh, the lesser of our pick and the Timberwolves pick in 2026 and our own picks, second round picks in 2027, 2028. So it means that the Knicks basically thought in that range, that's what the value of those picks are. So in my mind, between these two trades, the Knicks have kind of tipped their hand in terms of how they assess value in this type of range in the draft. And the difference is too, The second round picks with the new CBA, because of how important it is to have cheap talent, those picks have become more in demand. 
And I think if you are another team and you're looking, how can we do all of this? How can we get more future assets? And the Knicks say, we have the ability to move the second round picks that we have. Let's do it. Because here's the one difference between this move and getting, say, the 17th pick overall, if you're the Lakers. If the Knicks are able to use second round picks to trade into the back end of the first round, they still have four protected first round picks moving forward. Yeah. Right. Being the Mavs, the Pistons, the Bucks and the Wizards. But if they use one of them to trade in, then it's like, well, we have these three protected picks and all these seconds. They're trying to consolidate second round picks. They showed it. This is where I would imagine it comes to play. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a Brock Aller special. It is. And here's the other thing. We talked about Obi Toppin. I don't feel Obi Toppin should be moved for the 26th pick or the 29th pick, right? We talked about the possibility of doing that back in, I want to say January, maybe February, where we were exploring options and yeah. connecting links. I don't believe the Knicks feel that's the best way to use Obi Toppin. All right. I understand the reason behind it. And also, again, when so many fans are saying the Knicks, it makes too much sense for the Knicks to do this. I run the opposite direction. It means it's not going to happen. If it's so obvious that it should happen, it's not going to happen. That's usually how it operates. So look at the Pacers. Yes, we talked about them having the seventh pick overall. They've got 26. They've got 29. And because the Spurs jumped, they actually got the 32nd pick overall. So Indiana is basically saying, well, look, we don't have to take Obi Toppin to then pay him uh, the next summer when we could just take a four at seven. We could take a four in or in any of that range and they're cost controlled for four years. But if you're in Indiana and Chris talked about this on dream, you don't want three first round picks. You don't want no. three or four top 32 picks. It's a lot of picks. So we don't even need to worry about the salary for any of these teams. I just have them up, but it's relevant because we're actually going to talk about what their draft situation looks like moving forward. So Indiana has all their first round picks moving forward, but second round picks, right? 2024. Uh, it's a little bit muddier, right? Like the least favorable of their pick, the jazz pick, the Cavs pick, uh, it goes to them, but that's if it's the Cavs and they're in, you know, let's say they're a top four seed again, that picks in the fifties. That doesn't really help them. Um, other parts of it, like they have the bucks pick. Is that the bucks second round pick is going to convey before say 55. I'd be surprised. Uh, they have their own pick. Yes. In 2025, second round pick, their own pick. And they have the Miami pick, but the Miami pick is unlikely to convey. Then there's a whole mess about 2026, which I believe just boils down to them not having their second round pick. Uh, 2028 is a little murky as well. They do have the jazz pick and then they have their own picks in 2028 and 2029. So the bottom line here is the Pacers could stand to trade one of 26, 29 and 32 for future second round picks. It would certainly help them. Talk about the Hornets. The Hornets, yes, they have 27, thanks to the Nuggets. That was their pick. I should say the 26 and 29 for the Pacers were the, the Celtics, or the Cavs and the Celtics, respectively. But the Hornets, they have 27. They've also got 34, 39, and 41. I don't expect the Knicks to target 39 and 41, especially considering how they just haven't really drafted that low outside of Trevor Keels and Jericho Sims. So if they want an impact player. They're going to need to go higher than that. 
let's look at the, the Hornets and what they have. Um, right. So they're probably going to, I wouldn't be surprised, John, if they kept their first round pick because of the protections, the uh, 27, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase their own pick, right? The, the pick the that they pick. traded. No, no. Let me, let me back up for a second. Okay. The pick that they traded to the Knicks in 2021, they traded yeah. for the 19th pick overall. They yes. traded a protected first to New York. That pick went to Atlanta for Cam Reddish. It went from uh, then Atlanta to San Antonio, San Antonio as part of the DeJounte Murray trade. That pick did not convey this year. Uh, it's top 14 protected next year and the year after that. Is it going to convey? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I'm not, I wouldn't hold my breath. Maybe. Maybe. But if it doesn't, it becomes two second round picks. But moving before then, it's more favorable in 2024. Actually, you know what, John? You you take the lead while I uh, I cough, please. <laughs> yeah, that's the least I can do. Um, so yeah, so they essentially, as long as their first round pick does not convey in twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five, then they're going to have to give up um, two seconds um, moving forward for that, which I would assume would be in twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six. Twenty six and twenty seven. 26 and 27. Okay. So they could potentially be out a few second round picks, which I think is your point. Yes. They yeah. could stand to get more. Yeah. Uh, down the line. Doesn't hurt. The Jazz, 28. We talked about them having picks. I think it was 9 and 16 were the options. They also have 28. Well, uh, the Jazz also really don't have any second round picks to deal with. Uh, they tra- they traded pick. all of their second round picks away during the Mitchell Gobert years. Exactly. So that's something that maybe they'd like to replenish. And then finally, it's the Clippers. The Knicks and the Clippers have traded a few times in the drafts uh, in the draft since uh, Leon Rose took over. They also made the trade for Marcus Morris. And uh, they don't have a ton of second round picks. They could use them. Uh, also, it's a cost saving move, potentially. Like they're Roth, they're going to be well above the second tax apron which is important now. Do they want to add more young talent that's not going to play? I'm not sure. They might be better suited taking that pick, doing everything and saying, we'll save money and we can add to our second round picks in the future. Wow, I'm really coughing from this water. <laughs> we should also say, by the way, because we kind of glossed over it, um, you referenced it, but just to say it explicitly, the Knicks and the Hornets obviously did mm-hmm. a draft night deal, um, which is the, the pick that ended up going to um, Atlanta for, for camp. So like there's history with the Knicks and the Hornets on draft night. There's history with the Knicks and the Clippers on draft night. Um, obviously the Knicks and the jazz are well-versed in uh, talking with one another. And then it just leaves uh, Indiana as the only other team, which I'm trying to remember if those, if the Knicks and the Pacers have, have had, I mean, there were a lot of rumors that they talked, you know, or the yeah. Knicks attempted to go up and try to get Duarte. But other than that, maybe nothing, but like, these are teams that I think you could safely say the Knicks um, are comfortable doing business with. Not every billionaire has the stamina, the dedication, or the fire to become the most unpopular owner in sports. But not everyone is James Dolan, the owner of the New York Knicks. This is Reign of Error. 
a new podcast series that gives you a courtside seat for the controversies, scandals, and drama that seems to follow the infamous billionaire. Track Dolan's rise from aspiring musician to the throne of one of the most beloved franchises in sports. Along the way, he'll battle his own players, fans, celebrities, the New York media, politicians, even the Girl Scouts. Reign of Error unpacks the outlandish story over five riveting episodes, detailing how Dolan became a lightning rod of criticism in his quest to outdo his billionaire father, while also asking the $6 billion question, why doesn't he just sell the team? Check out Reign of Error wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. What's up, Knicks fans? Super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Express your style and build a look that's made just for you. Oakley's changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, train, or just want to look like your favorite athlete? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self and an expression of your personality, with Oakley, there's more than meets the eye. Here at Knicks Film School, our motto is look good, play good and that's why oakley is the perfect partner for us not a one of us leaves the house in the morning without our oakley's and listen up because it's officially almost summer which means you need to upgrade your sunglass game now check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair today also did you know that oakley even offers prism lens technology now i know what you're thinking gmac what the hell is that Well, it's a technology solely used by Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Head on over to oakley.com and check it out for yourself. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglass brands in my life, and I can assure you that Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. I'm trying to remember what was the the trade you said with the Hornets and Cam and the pick. What was that? The the from a couple of years ago. Oh, I see. I see you're saying. I, sorry, I misinterpreted. What you, got it? Okay, we're good. The pick that the pick that turned into the pick that got sent for the yes, Atlanta for Cam. Yeah, yep. we're good. I'm just slow at the moment because of dying. Just uh, yeah, you know it happens. So. Let's just wrap this up. Uh, Kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, there doesn't have to be whole intricate moves to get the Knicks into the draft or at least into the first round or high in the second round. It's it can be as simple as the Knicks just trading second round picks to getting a first round pick. It could be as simple as them doing exactly what they did to trade into the draft last year, getting Jalen Duran and then flipping him to Detroit doesn't have to involve players. I'd be surprised if it involved players because then you have to deal with matching salary and the the times of like if it conveying and all that stuff it's just easier to do it simply value of second round picks going to increase i would imagine that teams are considering this especially teams like the clippers that are very close to paying fi- or already on track to pay real financial penalties maybe bomber doesn't care prints money but if you can cut around the corners and the margins Maybe that's a better interest to a team like LA. There's the idea of there's no room for a rookie. I haven't seen that too much. I thought last year there was a better argument because I think there were like 12 players already who had, and uh, there was an argument they could be on 
or in the, you know, on the team. So 12 was a little steep the year before that. Yes. Grimes was there, but, and they got deuce, but I think it was still a shortened rotation where, yeah, they're on the outside looking in, but you know that they're one injury away from playing. Whereas last year it felt more like two. So there's certainly that option. Uh, best player available. You know, I know a lot of fans say just take the best player available, but you have to fit talent and fit into that in some capacity. Like they need to work with what you're doing. It's, it can't just be, we love this player so much. We want to take them. They have to fit within the scheme of what you're doing. Um, and then I've got a prediction in terms of what the Knicks will do. But before I do that, John, I just want to turn it over to you. If you have any thoughts, not, just not the- necessarily on the prediction, but just generally. No, just on the there's no room for a rookie. Um, I disagree with that. Uh, I think the Knicks again the the Keels pick was so strange because he it just was out of the, it was out of the blue and it was like it was just not a guy that you know fit. It seemed like it was just a pedigree play and a pedigree play that like has not worked out yet. Um, but neither here nor there. But like. I think the Knicks are going to be busy this summer to a certain extent. I think there's going to be moving parts. And I don't think for a second that whoever they, if they traded into the draft, that they would like count on that player playing rotation minutes at the outset. But I also like, and you kind of referenced it a minute ago, like Obi Toppin and Manu quickly, both guys, well, Toppin had a defined I think kind of a defined rotation role going into the season. Emmanuel quickly did not. And then Emmanuel quickly ended up playing a ton of minutes as a rookie. The year after that, neither Quentin Grimes nor Deuce McBride had anywhere close to defined rotation spots heading into the year. Both of those guys played key minutes as rookies. Again, last year didn't happen. Uh, Oh, Sims. I forgot about Sims. Sims also played as as a rookie, obviously. So like three years under this coach, um, five rookies have gotten like meaningful time. Like I, I think they do like to to a certain extent to, to kind of restock the restock the deck and have someone, whether that player is the twelfth man or the thirteenth man, you know, maybe the eleventh man, but someone who could step in, you know, and and kind of, you know, can keep practices intense, like the whole all that stuff. I think that matters to them. And so I and this is the range where you would expect them to get sort of that that kind of guy again not to be in their plans this year or someone they're going to count on by any stretch of the imagination but i think to, to say that they they don't have room for a rookie i i, I would disagree with that as, as you pointed out already 100 percent. now uh before i unveil my prediction so uh, peek behind the curtain i finished i put the finishing touches on this presentation this morning sunday and then i thought great cool and I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to catch up on the casuals podcast, catch up on dream and go forward. I put dream on that. I didn't mean sound like dream on, but that's, that's, that is the lyric dream on. So I put, I hit play and the very first, very first person was dirty dancer talking about pods, the player talking about trading into the first round to get pods, uh, Brandon Pajemski. Uh, and I just thought, you know, this is a very humbling moment because it just goes to show Jeremy, you're really not that special. And I, yeah. I, that's, 
that's totally fine. I thought it was I, as someone who also believes in Brandon Pajemski as the Knicks target. Dirty Dancer, I uh, game recognized game. Appreciate that. Um, I really think he's their target. Uh, and here's why. I didn't show it for a while, but that chart, I mean, the 2023 prospects, pull-up game, incredible. Floaters, really great. We know the Knicks like their floaters. Really good spot-up player. Uh, this is someone who had an incredible box plus minus 10.6 for context. That would have been, I think it was higher than Obi and Quentin Grimes. And it was a 7.9 offensive box plus minus really good. Really, really good. Uh, he's not a teenager, right? We've talked about how the Knicks really like getting guys who are 20 years old and older outside of the Trevor Keels uh, draft pick, which like you just said, I'm still baffled by, but who knows there are other intangibles we don't account for as, as fans, maybe. High vertical. Interesting fact. The Knicks have loved players in the draft who no. are really, their verticality is off the charts. Jericho Sims. Jericho, Obi Toppin. Um, yeah, that too. <laughs> Quentin Grimes had a great a vertical on, for the combine. Deuce had a great vertical. Um, I want, I mean, Emmanuel quickly, I don't think tested for it, but he was really good. So springiness is something they care about. And having a 39 inch vert is huge. Question, of course, will he be there if we've decided that 26 is kind of the point where the Knicks can most easily get in there? Will he be there at 26? If he won't be, can the Knicks get into the end of the first round and then trade up a little bit more, right? That's where the Portland at 23 yeah. might come into play. Uh, maybe that's where the Kings are able to do something. Maybe the Grizzlies trade back a little bit. I don't know. But everything about Brandon Pajemski screams the Knicks would love this player. And I know that Chris was talking about, uh, you know, if Obi's getting moved and the whole thing of moving a three, four and having them play consistent minutes, I don't subscribe to that. And I don't think the Knicks do either. And the reason I don't think the Knicks do is because they are going to look at the best player available of the types of prospects they like. And what's more, how often does Tom Thibodeau really trust rookies? The answer is not often. So if not the if he has a choice, are, right? But I don't see them working together and not finding someone who is a replacement that's ready to play in, say, fifteen minutes behind Julius Randle. And I understand that it could be a draft pick, but the way the Knicks keep operating is they keep trying to hoard depth on their roster. Yeah. And I very much see them drafting a player who would not be in the rotation, yeah. who would be playing a decent amount in Westchester or you know Connecticut, if that's where they're still playing. Uh, and then when someone inevitably gets hurt, that's when that player steps into the rotation. And that's also why, again, I think they stretched 10, nine was manageable. 10 is, uh, I mean, there's just too much talent to keep it at nine players. And that's why I think that if you have someone and you have the best player available, that fits exactly what you want. Yeah. You have a lot of depth at the, you know, around the two. I still think he's their guy. We'll see if it comes true. Maybe it gets snapped up uh, a lot earlier and they shift gears. I'm sure they have more than one player that they're interested in. But everything about this screams Nick's draft pick. They've got to be in the draft to make it, though. So we'll see how it happens. And, um, you know, if there's one kind of sore spot from last year, uh, first grade is Nick's 
were last year. Uh, potentially passing on a kid out of Santa Clara who uh, looks like he's going to be a player in the league. Uh, now, not all Santa Clara players are created equal, but uh, this is another chance for them to pick up a player out of Santa Clara. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see if that has, has anything to do with uh, anything. Yeah. That's it for me on this round. Oh, okay. We're done. You're yeah, out of breath? I'm good. I, I, the water helped. I'm not <laughs> choking to death anymore. This wouldn't be the first time I uh, had to be rescued on a podcast, but fortunately this time I don't have COVID. So that's the upside. But yeah, I'm ex- I'm really excited for next week. I don't want to oversell it, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something different. It's not going to be exactly what, what we've done before. Um, I'm just, I'm very excited and I need to get it off my chest. It'll be a week for when it happens, but um, we've covered the draft, John. We're done. What I like, everyone else can do it. What I loved about this and Jeremy, take a bow. We're off to a rousing start. Um, What I love about this is I think for as much as anybody listening to the show might be like, why spend the time on worrying about the Knicks getting into a draft to select their 12th man? I think it's important for not only the reasons we spoke, but also it's relevant and it's relevant in this sense. Whatever they do or don't do as far as bigger moves this summer involving big name players on their own team or big name players on other teams, I think what they may do on draft night in this specific respect may very well operate within its own ecosystem in that it could be a thing that has very little to do with other bigger picture stuff that's going on. And I think I really do genuinely believe it is valuable to them to continue to, again, restock the coffers, get guys in there who are like, okay, this is going to be a relevant player for us in a year and two years and three years fits what we want to do the whole thing. Like they've operated a certain way, you know, as you said at the top, show me, don't tell me. Laugh all you want. The Knicks, this regime values draft picks and they value getting in the draft. They value getting certain types of players in their system. They value like drafting and developing. So the notion that they are just going to sit this draft out when, as you talked about, they have all these second round picks and there are teams that very, very clearly for different reasons may want to move picks that are at the tail end of the, of the first round. I think it's a ripe situation. So, um, yeah, extraordinarily relevant um, and ex- extraordinarily well done. And we are done just in the nick of time because it's uh, it's 9 p.m. now. So just enough time for you to go watch Succession. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> just Hell just yeah. enough time for me to... Uh, I think my daughter woke up, so I'm going to put her back to bed and then catch the rest of this Miami-Boston game, which I, I don't even know what the score is right now. I think that's it. Anything else? I think we've said enough. We've said enough. Okay. Um, stay tuned. This is obviously the beginning of, of uh, another summer of cap or no cap, in which we're going to have a lot of good stuff on, on, on the, on the docket. Um, Jeremy's excited about next week's episode. So should you be, uh, we will have some other stuff in the meantime this week, but until then take care, be well, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Peace out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? 
what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.